Well, Michael, let us welcome back our friend, Mr. Nick Woo-hoo. Petrie, to the Crew Reviews. And I there we go, with a Wisconsin beer. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, guys. This is mm-hmm. always a high point for me. Oh, well, it's good man. good to see you, sir. Got to get out year. more. <laughs> so let's hope 22 is a, is a good year for you. Oh, yeah, that's right. For all of us, let that's us right. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it will be. Um, the Runaway, speaking of 2022, is lucky number seven in the Peter Ash series. That's Here. right. I love the cover. It's got a great cover. Yeah. As usual. Um, so first off, congratulations on seven books in a series. That's that's quite a, an accomplishment in today's okay. publishing world. Yeah, thank a- you. It, it, I have to say it feels sort of surreal still to... Uh, and I'm looking at my own my own books on my shelf, and it's just like, holy cow! Like, I can't believe I actually did that. It, I mean, it, I, it, you'd think you'd be sort when, of used to it, but I'm I'm not used to it. That's good. That's that's. I think that that's what keeps the edge of of the great writing is you know if you ever get bored or accustomed to it, then probably you know probably isn't going to be as good a book. So yeah, that's true. Good to hear. Um, well, so let's pretend that our audience is a hitchhiker and you're picking them up and you have a mile and a half to sum up the plot of the runaway. So give us your, uh, your, I won't call it an elevator pitch. We'll call it a hitchhiker pitch. Before you tell them where you're taking them. Oh, a mile and a half. Let's see. How fast am I driving? Uh, let's see. So, so the runaway starts with, um, we meet a young woman named Helene who's working the night shift at a remote gas station in Montana, uh, right at the Western edge of the Great Plains. And uh, it's such a small town that it's not really even a town anymore. It's just two people. Uh, it's Helene and uh, the, her boss who owns the gas station and is also her landlord. He's also a um, deputy sheriff with the county. And so uh, when he begins to suggest that she sleep with him, it becomes clear that she's, she's not going to be able to resist him for much longer. Uh, she's got nobody to turn to. She's got no place else to go. So when a kind stranger shows up in the middle of the night at this gas station on his way west, um, she realizes that uh, she's not going to have another opportunity like this. Uh, and so she she walks out to the gas pumps and she says, hey, mister, take me with you. Uh, and he says, well, where do you want to go? And her response is anywhere but here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the first scene is, is uh, Helene fleeing her circumstances. Um, the next chapter is Peter Ash uh, or meeting a young woman who is uh, now, well, this is again, Helene, who is now uh, enormously pregnant, 800 miles away on a gravel road in rural Nebraska, and her car is broken down. And Peter, being the, the gentleman that he is, uh, pulls over and says, can I, can I help you with your car? Do you need a lift? And she says, yeah, I really need to get out of here because um, I, I'm trying to get away from my husband. Uh, and he's an ex-cop, and he's a very, very bad man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Peter, of course, never one to shy away from uh, a way to make himself useful in the world. Says, "Well, you hop in. Let's. I'll, I'll take you where you need to go." Uh, and he he you know drives in the opposite direction. But in his rearview mirror, he sees um, a dust cloud. There's a vehicle coming up fast behind them, and it's getting closer and closer. And the, obviously, things go downhill from there for our hero uh, and for Helene. Uh, which is the way I like to do it. We, we like to put people in, in uh, difficult circumstances and then make them worse um, because that's, that's how you write a thriller. Now we're going to kick the hitchhiker out and we're going to get into a much deeper discussion. Um, 
But during previous discussions, we talked about some of the things that inspired your novels. Uh, so what was the, the item, the news story, the road trip experience, or the other spark of inspiration that gave you entry into this particular story? Well, it's interesting. This story started, I kind of gave myself an assignment, um, which, which I often do. Hmm. Um, for, for this book, the assignment was to write a story that was a little bit more intimate. Um, my books often have uh, sort of a larger-than-life component. Um, the last one was about uh, sort of cutting-edge technology. I've written about uh, sort of the new cannabis industry in Colorado. Um, I've written about uh, race and class and music in Memphis. Um, so, so this one, I wanted to, to tell a more intimate story where the, the stakes were smaller, but also uh, you could feel them a little bit more intensely. Yeah. Um, and, and so that was sort of, that's the thing I sort of put up on my bullet board when I, when I start. Um, and then Helene just sort of showed up. Um, and I was thinking about, so, you know, a, a somebody at risk, somebody who was alone and vulnerable. Um, and I didn't think she would have such a big role hmm. in this book. And she, she has a, a, a you know, probably half the book is, is Helene's story. Right. Um, and, and that was not planned. Um, she is just such a, a, an interesting character, strong and, and uh, you know, sarcastic. And, uh, you know, to me, she's just, she just sort of took over the storytelling. Um, and, and I just kind of, you know, ran with it. I, I tried to, I tried to uh, sort of, <clears throat> you know, keep listening and, and, and to figure out what was going to happen to her. Um, and then I had to, to decide what her relationship was going to be with Peter. It's, it's the series is the Peter Ash series. So this, this right. has got to be, they have to be in relation to each other in a certain way. And so then the structure of this book, um, which is really these two parallel stories kind of formed at that point. Yeah. Well, so at the beginning, Peter Ash is driving through exotic Nebraska possibly counting telephone poles to keep from careening off the road. Um, <laughs> you have not driven in Nebraska, in, at least in the parts that I have been. The, the, I, I find the Great Plains to be absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it's not, oh. it's not Colorado. It <laughs> doesn't have those epic mountains. Um, but I think the plains just, if there's just so much sky. Yeah. And, and those giant clouds blowing across like this, you know, these battleships just, just going through the sky. Um, I, I, I guess I feel passionate in my defense of Nebraska. You do because um, my family's from Lincoln and, uh, Oh, yeah. there you go. So you, you, you know, I, I, I take it all back. I <laughs> they don't quite, uh, <laughs> see it that way, but so why set off in Nebraska? What was, what was your draw other than, you know, wide open, you know, the rolling plains, what, what, why is Peter in, I mean, we know what he's, he's on a road trip, but why did you pick Nebraska of all places? Well, I, because each book is essentially set in a different place. So, so I'm, I am, I'm often reacting to the last book I wrote. So mm. the last book I wrote was a very urban book. And so I thought, okay, I need to, I need to be back in the countryside. Yeah. Um, and, and then I think about the parts of the country where I haven't uh, kind of written about before. Mm. Um, and so the, and, and I wanted something that was dramatic. Um, that was also something that, um, you know, there, there was something else happening. And so part of the, part of the story, it's not a huge part of the story is sort of, is sort of the, the, the crisis of rural America, that right. how towns are shrinking and, mm. um, the jobs are fewer and farther between. And so that's, that's really part of what's 
kind of underneath this story. Um, and I wanted to write about that as well. I, I live in Wisconsin, um, which is a farm state. And, you know, we're, we're quite aware of, of that here as well. Right. Um, and I, I'm always trying to, you know, I, I'm interested in America and I'm interested in the different, the different uh, kind of cultures that we have and the different uh, sort of geographies and landscapes that we have. So I'm always trying to sort of find something new uh, to illuminate uh, in, in a book. And that, I, for some reason, that just ended up being uh, Nebraska. Although actually there is another reason, which is that my oh. son and his friends took a road trip um a couple of years ago for spring break um and the pictures that he took um were were really uh compelling and so i thought well i, I should i should do that i should i should go get in the car hmm. um and i finally did yeah um i i drove uh you know again state highways and gravel roads all the way um west into central nebraska and back home through uh south dakota and minnesota and i just it's just it's just a beautiful yeah a beautiful and and really an unforgiving landscape at, at times south dakota has both sides of the coin in oh, one state sure. yeah um so I, I i don't know i in part i'm just trying to you know through this character and these uh stories i'm telling to to showcase a, a piece of america at the same time sure all right cool well of all of all your antagonists um this might be the most terrifying of all for me. I've met Ray before. Maybe not a guy who's done everything he's done, but though you never know. But that charming sociopath type, and I've, I've seen this <laughs> sort of victimization and grooming take place from, you know, from the outside, not, not from the inside, but it's once you see it, you kind of recognize it. And so yeah. all of that was very authentic and visceral to me. Uh, I, I, I saw Ray in such a three-dimensional light i mean he was he was very real to me so to me he was as terrifying as anybody you've written so everyone i know who's ever met you considers you one of the nicest guys they know even margaret um and so <laughs> sometimes from what dark corner of your imagination did ray spring forth uh that's a really good question um i am not sure i think one of the reasons this is a funny thing about the, the crime writing community is that it's full of, of really nice people. Um, and I don't think that's true of other literary communities. And I think part of the reason why um, this is such a nice group of people is that we get to work out all of our issues by killing people, right? I mean, we get to, we get to work it all out on the page. Yeah. Um, you know, if I, if, I, if I wrote little domestic dramas, right? Um, you know, I'm sure I would, I would you know, end up shooting somebody at the end of the day. I mean, I, I live a domestic drama much as I love my wife. That's, this is just the nature of, of our, of our lives. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not quite sure. I, I, I was looking for someone who would really be kind of Peter's opposite. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, and Roy again, just kind of showed up and he showed up as this sort of aw shucks, uh, kind of kindly stranger. Um, and, and it becomes uh, something else entirely. And, and part of the fun was sort of figuring out exactly how bad it could get um, and how bad of a person he is. And it turns out he, he's a pretty bad guy. Yeah, how about it? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he's not, not a good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the villains are always so much fun because <laughs> we, we do, and I, I hear this from other writers too, we do get to sort of exercise our demons and to, to uh, you know, sort of think about uh, you know all of the all of the 
horrible ways there are to be in the world. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad Roy works for you though. The, yeah. the, uh, uh, it was, it was both fun and, um, a little, uh, you know, sort of spine tingling to sort of have him emerge like that. On yeah. the page. And that, and that's a great word for emerge. Uh, you, you did a masterful job of peeling back layers at a time because every time you thought you knew really who he was and what he was about, he kind of took you to a deeper, <laughs> you know, darker Leading you place. down a dark path. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. that was, that was really, I mean, honestly, I, I, I loved it. And he was definitely one of the more terrifying protagonists or antagonists. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. That's the goal is to just, you know, continue to uh, terrify people as much as I can. <laughs> well, on the opposite coin, I mean, we always have a lot of laughs when we, when we talk, you know, even off air and, sometimes Peter Ash is in these really dangerous situations. You, you come up with an almost absurd description that just, I, I busted out laughing at one and I got to point it out. So he's holding a feral dog named Cupcake on his lap on the back of a pink Yamaha 250 written, driven by this female construction worker named Bobby <laughs> going after the guys who are trying to kill him and, and stole all of his stuff. Like, uh, how many like how many beers did you have to have to come up with that particular scenario? Because it almost sounded like it, something happened to you in high school that you were trying to work out. <laughs> well, that that's never happened to me. Um, although I did, a friend, I, I get it. Okay, I, right? Yeah, no, it happened to a friend. Um, to I, I did I did briefly have a Yamaha a Yamaha enduro bike um, yeah. when before it was legal for me to own it and ride it. Yeah. Um, so that, that piece is, is, uh, is true to life, although for many, many years ago, but I, you know, for, for me, it's, 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 it's like the, you know, the, the frog in the pot, right? I start with a scene and then, and then something happens. And then I think, well, what needs to happen after that? And what needs to happen after that? Um, and, and things just sort of pile on each other. And, and it's not like I started out saying, Bob, uh, Peter is gonna, is gonna meet a, a, a woman, um, uh, driving a back, oh, you know, operating a backhoe in a farm field, and he's going to end up on the back of a motorcycle with a, a half coyote dog, um, you know, driven by a lesbian on a on a pink motorcycle. That's not that's not where I I'm starting. It's just where it ends up. And well, and it was that, so run of the mill. I mean, you you obviously. I mean, we're talking about tropes. So cliche. <laughs> Well, the, the thing is, so, so part of what I, I have people who people remark on my characters uh, a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and they've also remarked that a lot of thrillers are uh, written by white guys and they're populated, you know, almost exclusively by white guys. And people yeah. have, have remarked that my characters are, uh, are, are diverse mm -hmm. in, 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 in lots of different ways. And, and, I mean, that's the world we live in. Those yeah. are, those are people that I know. Um, those are, I mean, I, I, I used to work construction. I, I had, I knew any number of lesbian plumbers, equipment operators, uh, you know, that, that's a, that's a part of the world that I know. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so in part, I just, I'm just trying to, to show the world that I, that I live in, in a certain way. Although of course it's always a little bit over the top because that's that's what fiction is yeah sure <laughs> i don't know the dog i think i've owned one or two of those in the past <laughs> <laughs> now you you touched on her earlier but i want to talk about helene it, it would have been easy to make her a cliche kind of a boring archetype 
um, that we've seen before, but she's an extremely rich and vivid character and her complexities are so well rendered. As I said with Ray, the trauma she experienced both before the narrative begins and really, and after really brought her to life for me because not her specific, some of her specific trauma, you know, we, we, we all in our lives probably know somebody who has gone through something similar to at least part of what she's gone through. So I felt like, I, again, I know this person well, but it got me thinking about Peter and Lewis and June and their common experience with trauma. There's the, there's a phrase, you know, they say drama is conflict, but in the Peter Ash series, you could say that drama is trauma. It rhymes, but that's not why you'd say it. Um, <laughs> but from the static on, what draws you to that theme? Well, you know, we, I mean, I'm interested in, in, in books where, in, in stories about people who are living on the edges of society, right? Again, I, I'm not sure I would write a book about a banker, um, sure. you know, going to work, although, you know, never say never. Um, but I, you know, it's why I started writing about, about veterans to begin with is because most of America doesn't really get it. Um, you know, we do not, you know, the, the military community is a, is a small and insular part of our, of our country. It used to be everybody served and, and mm -hmm. we had, we had right. uh, compulsory service uh, as well. And, and now that's just not how it is. It's, it's a, it's a all volunteer service and it, it's almost a trade that's passed down through families in, yeah. in, a, in a tradition and, and certain communities, certain parts of the country, there's a lot more service than others. Um, and that was kind of what got me started was sort of, let's take a closer look at this uh, little piece of, of, of America. But, um, you know, there, there are lots of ways to live on the edge of society. And, and if you are somebody, again, Helene is somebody who is just on the margin. She's barely hanging on by her fingernails. Um, and she, I, I know, I know a number of people who have, who have had experiences similar to hers. Um, you know, the, the, one of the, the really interesting pieces of the Me Too movement was the number of conversations I had with people that I'd known for a long time about their experiences with similar things. Mm. Um, and not to get too, too serious here, but um, you know, th those stories are everywhere. It's just not, thing yeah. that, not stories that people necessarily uh, you know, want to broadcast to, right. to the universe. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm just really interested in people who are living, uh, you know, a, a vivid and, and sort of full on experience of life. Um, that's the kind of life that I, I, I'm interested in living. I've always liked people who, you know, are in hot pursuit of whatever it is that they, that they want to do in the world. Um, so, so those are, I mean, that's what, what draws me. And I, I think, you know, I, I think there's, depending on how you choose to define trauma to come back to the original question, which surprisingly I was able to do. Shock. You know, I, I mean, every, we all have those things in our past, whether they're big or small that, that stay with us, um, that define us. And, and I think that's really interesting. And I think that is what makes us who we are uh, as human beings. And I, I think, that, you know, I'm not interested in characters who are just, you know, you know, with chiseled features and, and uh, you know, excellent abs and they, they only think pure thoughts. I mean, that, that's just not interesting. Don't to talk me at all. about me like that. I, I'm that's... sorry. I'm sorry, Mike. I know. I know. <laughs> Other than that, we're just... <laughs> Thank you for not showing us your abs right now. I appreciate it. <laughs> right. But so I'm interested in complexity. I'm interested in, in, you know, the, the, the many, many ways there are to experience the world. And, and that's, that's, 
uh, you know, not to be too grandiose about it, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm interested in writing about. And I hope that's what people are interested in reading about. Yeah. Well, when I, you, good point. There's a line in it that, in re, you know, that kind of to go with the trauma thing you, you said, uh, I think uh, Lewis says, um, brother, you and I, um, you and I know damage don't matter. Um, we all got damage. It's what you do. Uh, it's something that it, what matters is what you do with it. Yeah. Something what you do with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's always been not those exact words, but that exact, like, um, thought has been key to something I've always, you know, told my kids about and, and tried to try to impart to them is that, listen, we're all going to, we're all going to have, get our faces punched in figuratively, literally, whatever. Yeah. And you can, you can complain, like you can say, oh, that guy, he was abused. So he, that's why he abused his kid. No, that's not why he abused his kid. He abused his kid because he, he had a weak reaction to what happened to him, you know, and to yeah, try to, to yeah. try to explain to them that it's not what, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with it. And then, and I love that. I love that whole sequence. With right. I thought that that kind of encapsulate a lot of encapsulate the theme of the book in a lot, in, in a way that I didn't expect until I read it. So, well, thank you. Well, and, and again, you can, you can, you know, I, I think it's important to understand why people do what they do, but you, but you also, I mean, we have, we all have free will, right? You, you get the sure. choose. You get to choose how you live your life and how you react to your situation. And, and you can react well, and you can lift yourself up and those around you, or you can react the other way, in which case, you know, hopefully the hammer comes down. Right. I, I want to go back to a little bit what we were touching on earlier. You talked about Helene and Peter and not only the kind of the dual storylines that merge, obviously, but you, you also went to a, a then and a now. And from a, from a new writer standpoint, talk about risky as hell and trying to make that work. So did you have to put any additional thought process into, into making and meshing that to, to the, the way you did it in this book is, is phenomenal. But did you have extra work, both in editing and writing, to, to merge those in the way that you found best fitting for the storyline? Yeah, um, I, I ended up doing, um, I ended up blocking out sort of both storylines hmm. and figuring out, you know, sort of how many words in a chapter and how long, you know, what was a good place to end not only a, a chapter, but then a Helene section. Um, it, it was a, a definitely a balancing act. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I've done sort of versions of this with, with other books. Um, and it's, it's terrifying because you really don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. But I'm, thank you for saying it does. Cause I, <laughs> you know, I, I send it off to my, to my editor and I'm like, so, you know, do we need more identifiers? Do we need more? And, and I, I sort of thought that maybe we would, we would track the, 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 because the, the Peter piece really takes place over a couple of days. The Helene piece takes place over, uh, mm -hmm. you know, essentially eight months. Uh, and so do we, do we track it with the month and the year? Do we, you know, and then I sort of thought, well, what if it's just sort of then and now, and, and that was what we ended up with to sort of keep it simple. And so that people don't say, now, wait a minute, when was this? And to, to just sort of, all you really have to do is divide the two timelines. Right. And then at a certain point, they, they join together and because of the point of view, right? One is Peter and one is Helene. Once you've established the, the time and how things shift, you do have to show time moving forward. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm always very careful to have, to have time and place markers. Cause I, I always hate it when I'm, 
reading a book and I'm like, no, wait a minute, where the hell am I now? Right, right, right. You know, exactly. It's, there, it's three days later. Is it two days later? Or I, you know, I, that stuff drives me nuts. And I think that's just sort of that's the that's the careful craftsmanship piece. Yeah, it's just don't you don't want a reader to be lost. Um, but but the reader also will do a lot of that work on their own. Um, all you have to do is teach them early on. This is how the story's built. Okay. And and after that, I think it's it's not that hard to figure out as long as you're doing you're doing your due diligence, and you're letting them know, uh, kind of where you are in time and space. Would you have tried to do that at the beginning of your career? Oh no, God no. Um, <laughs> although it's interesting that my the, my first book that got published, The Drifter, there's a similar set of sequences, right? So there's, right. there's Peter's point of view. And then there's um, these little, uh, very short chapters from the point of view of a guy that, that we, I start out calling the man in the black chore coat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wrote the first third of that book without knowing that, that that other character, the man in the black chore coat would be there. I didn't really know, I, huh. but I knew I needed something that was going to, because the beginning of the book unfolds, not slowly, I don't think, but, but the, the plot is not readily apparent necessarily. Okay. You really are meeting Peter and you're diving into his head and you're seeing what he's doing in his life. So I needed, I needed something to tell the reader, wait a minute, there's something else happening here. Right. There's something bigger and more important, but I didn't need much, just a little bit. So, so then I wrote the first one of those and I thought, okay, that's the big, that's the, that's the first chapter. That's my prologue. Um, and then I thought, well, what's the next one like, you know? So, and so then I, 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 I kind of figured out where to put the next couple and I wrote them, you know, a couple of months apart and I figured out where to fit them in. Hmm. And then I thought, all right, so now I've got, I've got four of these with the man with the black chore coat. So now I have to figure out, so what are the other, what are the other points in that sequence and how does it end? Yeah. Um, and so then I wrote those all at once and I slotted them in and I moved them around a few times, hmm. but that was much easier because they're really only, you know, none of those chore coat question or sections is, is more than a thousand words. So it's not like I, I was pulling people out of Peter's yeah, story. Right. Um, but then the end of that book, I did something where the last 50 pages maybe, or 60 pages is suddenly told from three new points of view who we've not heard from throughout the book. Hmm. We hear, we see Lewis's point of view for right. the first time. We see Dinah's point of view for the first time. And we get uh, Charlie's, uh, Dinah's 12 year old son. We get his point of view as well. Right. And, and I just sort of, it was the only way I could think of to, to, for the, for the reader to see those things happen. Cause Peter wasn't there. Right. Um, everything else is, is Peter is present for every event. Right. Um, and I just thought, I have no idea if this is going to work. And I, I sent it mm-hmm. off and my editor was like, no, no, this is just fine. Um, and, uh, but in part, I mean, you do really have to trust your own instinct and you have to trust the reader because, and the reader will right. make great leaps for you. If you, if you have shown yourself to be trustworthy as a, as a narrator, if you have shown yourself to be to be fair and, and, and honest in your dealings with the reader, the reader will take those leaps with you. Hmm. Got it. Well, I, I enjoyed the then and now because I've, I've read some books where it was like Monday morning, Tuesday afternoon. And like, it, it's jumping back between two storylines and one storyline is jumping days. And sometimes you're just like, wait a second, 
you yeah. know what how many days have passed it's, and, and it's right it's too precise it's too much information yes, exactly I, I like this better because you you know both stories are progressing in a linear fashion and you know which story you're in and you know it's yeah you're not trying to satisfy the actual time and date yeah you're and it, to me it, it to me it, it takes all the distraction away from the story so right. I, I enjoyed that we actually talked about that before you yeah well but, great thank you so when i'm writing sometimes i have an idea for an action set piece and have no idea where it might fit in the story and then other times the set pieces just occur organically as you're writing the story. What is the process for you? Do you ever have an action sequence pop into your head and you think independently and you think, oh, I got to find something, a place for that? Or are they all a natural outcropping of the story? They're, they're almost all natural. I have, you know, I, I sort of, I was thinking with this book that I needed to, that I hadn't seen Peter on a motorcycle before. No. And, and I thought this would be a good, kind of book. And I had, again, I had, you know, done some underage dirt biking myself. And so I sort of thought, well, okay, that'd be fun to do that. But I didn't know where it would fit or if this would be the book or, or even what that scene would be. Um, and, and it would have been really easy to have, you know, to do, you know, sort of an action movie thing where, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, leaping across the hills and the, and the dirt bike being chased by giant trucks. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm less interested in that kind of thing. Um, and it just turned out that act, there was a dirt bike, but it wasn't Peter's and Peter wasn't riding it. Peter wasn't <laughs> driving it. Peter was, Peter was riding it. Um, so I, I kind of think about, about that, about the kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I had been thinking really since the second book that I wanted to have a scene where, um, there was a hammer fight because, you know, Peter, Peter was a carpenter and, and I thought that would be really vivid and really violent. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I just didn't, I just kind of, kind of, it's in the corner of my mind. And, and then the end of the third book um, ends up being a fight between uh, a person with a hammer and a person with a combat tomahawk. Um, and, and I, you know, that was a, a bunch of fun to write and that sort of scratched that itch. Um, but I don't, I don't really have a, I don't really have a list of things I'm trying to do yeah, I, I oh, do okay. think I'm okay. I'd like it's time to do something that's a little over the top. I think that's a little bit part of this series is that is that um, everything is a little more so. Hmm. Um, there's been times when I've read passages that I wrote months ago, maybe even years ago. And I, and I think to myself, where the hell did that come from? Like I never that was never an, a conscious thought of mine. It just came out. So there was a part that struck me early in this book and, it, and and Peter's lost his truck. He's, he's lost his firearms. He's got, he doesn't have his wallet. Like, and he's running through a stream near, near night. It's going to be freezing overnight. And it, it, it kind of read in part four strangers were trying to find him and end his life. Was it wrong? He might be having a little bit of fun. <laughs> were you pre-planning to, to, to kind of put Peter in such a dire position and then, and then say, yeah, he's kind of actually enjoying this in a strange way. Or how did that come out? Well, th there are moments like that in many of my books. And I think that is part of what makes Peter appealing to people. Mm. And also what makes Peter kind of real to people with his background is that, I mean, the, the dirty little secret of war is that it's fun. You get to blow shit up and you get to play run and chase and hide. 
And I mean, like, (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, there are, that is for a lot of people, that is one of the appeals of joining the army or the Marine Corps or whatever, you get to do this crazy stuff. It's all of the advertising is, you know, trying to get people to, to, to sign up is, is geared to that impulse, right? You see somebody, you know, sticking his head up out of a tank. You see somebody jumping out of a helicopter. I mean, that's, that's what they're selling to America's young men and women. And, and, the, and that is in part what, why people keep going back. Um, and, and that's a part of Peter's character as well. Um, you know, what's the, what's the line? There's that this, the sun never shines so bright as, as when someone is trying to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Or it was um, uh, sparkly. Yeah. Yeah. The world was never so sparkly as when you were, someone was trying to kill you. I remember that yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, and so, and I, I think that's a, that's a real thing. Um, and and I've, I've had, uh, you know, moments of risk when uh, the world just becomes much more vivid. And, I, and that's, that's Peter's, uh, you know, take on life. And I think that's, um, you know, if it, if it wasn't fun, he wouldn't keep getting himself into so much trouble. I mean, he's been, he's been, he's been <laughs> messing around for seven books here. I mean, he really ought to figure this out and stay home and I don't know, raise some yeah. kids, get a job, but, th- but he does not seem to be doing that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's, it's like um, athletes who retire and then they, they, you know, they can never get that buzz back. Yeah. The got- locker room is missing. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a mountain biker and, and part of what makes that appealing is, is, I mean, I, I've had a, a pretty bad bike accident and tore up my shoulder, had to have surgery uh yeah but I, I get back on the bike it's i you know I, I like the the adrenaline i like the risk yeah um i mean it would help if i were a better mountain biker i'm not a very good mountain biker but but, but it's fun <laughs> i get it well mr peter you have reached the end of the the normal portion of our show oh is this the oh, abnormal boy. portion then that's what's yeah, coming of up of course it's only there's more abnormal than usual but uh anyway so we not that we won't talk about this but this is a hell of a book uh, as we go into the lightning round i just want yep. to remind you to pick it up it's publication date is the 18th is that correct yes it is 18th of january 18th. Nice. january 18th okay get it all right, so I'm going to start with the lightning round. You're, you're lucky that Chris is not available tonight because you only get six, you know, horrible, horrible questions. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Um, I, I feel like I feel like I'm getting gypped. I, I want to. Oh, we, we, we can come up with some stuff if you really want. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> Good off, off, off the cuff, we're great. Let me tell you. Uh, no, so my first question, and it's too bad Margaret's not around to, to answer this, but what is a bad habit, flaw, or vice that you wish you did not have? Or since she's not there, more importantly, Margaret wishes you didn't have. <laughs> well, what, what I'm trying to work on these days is uh, procrastination and surfing the web and just the amount of time I waste in a given day is, is okay. it drives me nuts and is really appalling. And so that's kind of my... <laughs> that's kind of my current, uh, uh, effort. Um, so that, that's, you know, I, other, other than that, I have no bad habits. Uh, it's all, you know, I'm all sweetness and light. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's true. Yeah. We're, we're getting some, I'm getting a text right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know a writer that hasn't, that's not dealing with that. Problem. Yeah. I mean, Ding. That. Oh, another, you know, Gosh, another I'm, message. Sweet. I feel like the dog from up, uh, sometimes, you know, just like, look at my phone. Why am I looking at my phone? Put my phone down. Yeah. I actually just had to turn my phone on to do not disturb because <laughs> it, it, it turns back on at five o'clock. So, oh. oh man. Okay. Question number two, how are you most like Peter Ash and how are you least like him besides body count? 
Uh, how am I most like Peter Ash? How am I least like Peter Ash? Well, I'm definitely not a dangerous man. I will, I will say that. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Um, <laughs> how am I most like Peter Ash? I don't know. I, I think um, the, the part of me that uh, I, I have a very strong moral sense, a strong sense of right and wrong and how I think people should live in the world. Hmm. Um, and it's not, you know, who you sleep with or, or where you go to church. It's, it really is, uh, you know, how you behave towards other people. And I think, I think Peter really uh, kind of shares that. Um, my phone will just not shut up. <laughs> um, that's a big piece of Peter as well. And it's part of why he gets himself in trouble um, is because he, you know, he wants to be useful. He wants to help. And I guess that's another piece of, of, of me and in Peter is the idea of being of use in the world, which I feel yeah. really strongly about. That's a Midwestern quality for sure, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. My final question. Um, so we were under the understanding. Um, we, we thought this was with Barbara Puel's clients. So Don Bentley put Chris Albanese on page 37 of his last book. And Mike and I were under the impression that you were to put one of us in this I book. And then uh, reading diligently for supposed our to put the other one in a book. And <laughs> I don't know, we just, was, was it edited out? Was that the issue or, or did you? Uh, yeah, no, my, my editor said that that was just strict pandering and she wasn't going to allow it. <laughs> she said uh, who? It was strict pandering, <laughs> damn it. Damn that Don Bentley. Well, I saw, I, I, what I didn't, what I don't want to do is to, is to be nice. And I mean, the, the, you know, I've had, I've put friends in books and generally made them out to be terrible people. So that just so you know, that if that's what happens, hey, typecasting that's how it's okay. going to be. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, you, no. you, you might, you might have a, a genetic disorder. You might have a sexually transmitted disease. We talk about life realism. Uh, well, right? yeah, no, my, uh, yeah, my, my, uh, my, my former neighbor was a, uh, a penis enhancement surgeon. surgeon. <laughs> Um, I missed my calling. Yeah, yeah. So you know, just so you know, that's kind of how it rolls. All hey, right. you know what? All right, I'll ben, keep it in mind. That's yeah. Don, oh, Don Bitley. Don Bitley killed us. Listed us in a in a casualties in his first book. Yeah, but he listed me by last name, and I'm like, hell, everybody thinks that's Mark Cameron. Nobody thinks that's <laughs> me. I'm like, thanks for nothing, man. But <laughs> oh my, no gosh. respect, no respect, no respect. Exactly. All right, All Mark, right. you were. <clears throat> so I'm up. Um, so this was the arc, and this question is, it goes into the title, was it publisher or was it Petrie? So on page 26, I'm going to read a sentence, and I want to know who got this. She hadn't gotten get the lids on quite right. Whoops. Was that Petrie or publisher? Oh, I'm sure that was Petrie. Hang on. <laughs> I, I need to see if that's in the real book. It's not oh, 26. Oh, thank goodness. I don't know, man. Thank I might want to check the hardcover. <laughs> yeah it's like oh that, boy that that is one of the things about writing quickly is that all that stuff uh and, and i'm i'm totally a, a uh, i'm a writer and a rewriter but there's a point at which you just can't see anything anymore you don't see it anymore it's you all here right not... past it yeah yeah all right so, no two. that's embarrassing frankly. yeah i was gonna say something i, I was gonna private message you but you know we'll do it publicly <laughs> all right according to the janka scale what is the hardest wood in the world Geez, I don't know. Some kind of carpenter you were. I know. Well, I, 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 the hard stuff is no fun to work. So, yeah, true. All right. It's the Australian Buloke. Whoa, that's good to know. It's five oh. times more dense than hickory. 
Wow. Like it's called ironwood. I mean, for a good oh. reason. Well, there's, a, there's American ironwood as well, but that's right. not five times more dense mm. than hickory for God's sake. Right. All right. So thank God you're not carpenter anymore. Okay. Yeah. Number three, are the rumors true that your new year's resolution is to be less of a lazy bastard this year? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I just, wanna... and where did, where did you hear that is what I want to know. Uh, did Margaret mention something about that? That's probably, yeah, probably true. Yeah, I probably think that's true. where it was. So that goes along with that whole procrastination. <laughs> All right, we're good. It, it, Fine, she, we let you it, she probably here. didn't use the word bastard, though. <laughs> no, she calls you something pretty rotten last time oh well I, that's just affection that's all that's it's all. a pet name i think yeah. okay it was, lovely, it. it was lovingly rotten yeah yes, that's right yes the, <laughs> yes she she she's she <clears throat> says she's a lady but she drops the f-bomb quite a bit well i just gotta get her point across all right you I know what it. that means she's a woman because <laughs> there you go yeah, i like that exactly <sighs> oh, yeah, well yeah. nick you you came out unscathed um but the reader won't. This this book is going to leave a mark. Uh, I like that. Yeah, yeah that's right. It, it really is. Um, I, I my probably my I don't know if favorite's the right word, but probably the most powerful uh, antagonist um, that I've read in a while. Yeah, for Fantastic sure. Fantastic job. <clears throat> you know we love you as a writer, and you just keep 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 putting them out, and we'll keep reading them. That's right. Well, that's that's very kind of you both. Thank you very Three much. Three of a year, please. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice to see you, even if it's only virtually. But uh, I hope we can uh, raise a glass someplace uh, actual. Yeah, absolutely. Days. Yeah, no kidding. We're waiting for that. I'll, I'll make sure I keep my cup with me. I'm yeah, that's right. At, at, at any moment, you never know when I'll show up. <laughs> uh, do we have that restraining order, John, that we can talk about? <laughs> Shh, that's private. That's okay. a personal matter. All right. January well, 18th. All right. Get it, folks. Thank you, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure again. Miguel, another great show with another great author, old friend Nick Petrie. The Runaway is his seventh Peter Ash novel, which blows my mind, Um, but it doesn't surprise me whatsoever because the man can put words together like very few people. That's right. Um, Had a blast tonight, as always. Join us next Monday for another phenomenal show with a phenomenal writer. Wisconsin beer, baby. Line and Google. Wisconsin beer. And frozen water. Mm.